0: Grace and peace in Jesus' name, my name is Jose Altuve. So if, if, if you don't like what I'm preaching today, it's his fault, not mine. <laughs> no, actually, he kind of looks like me too, so yeah, I can get away with it. As you notice, I'm wearing an Astros jersey today, uh, not to get back at Micah Howe, who's a, a rabid Ranger fan, but you know, I'm not, and I'm not preaching about the Astros today, even though they did win yesterday. Go Astros, whoop, okay. Uh, and it does appear that the Astros do need divine help this year, uh, and they're going to need it if they're, if they're going to win the World Series. But the other thing is that, in fact, I think that I look absolutely stunning in orange, don't you think? No, not so much, okay. We're in the book of First John, and I love John. Uh, he was the beloved of, of Jesus. And I love the way he writes in the book of John, so simple, yet so direct, so profound that you know even a child could understand it, and yet those who have been in the way for many, many years still are finding nuggets of gold that he brings forward. He's deep and yet he's not. So he's a lot of things. But uh, the scripture goes like this: "Beloved, uh, this is John chapter first John chapter 2, seven through14. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light yet hates his brother is still in darkness, and he who and whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him, thus, uh, there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Reminded, when I was going through this, I'm reminded of one of my favorite books called The Count of Monte Cristo. Uh, for you young people, you probably have never heard of that before, but it's old people. We've, we've read that book by, it's Alec, by Alexander Dumas. The hero of the book, his name is Edmond Dantes, and had been unjustly cast into the dungeon at Chateau d'If and but fortunately, by means of a tunnel, he met an old man in the nearby dungeon, and the old man, Abbey Ferrara, had told him of a great treasure that was hidden in the island of Monte Cristo, which means the mountain of Christ. Uh, it seemed to be a worthless bit of knowledge before he was just as trapped as the old man he wasn't going to go anywhere so you know for him it's like okay this is great news there's a great treasure out there and i will never get there because i'm going to live the rest of my life in this hole but his chance for escape however did come when the old man died and his body was put into a sack and to be thrown into the cli- into the sea over the cliff edmund dante saw his chance for escape and he managed to drag the body of his friend Through the tunnel into his cell, and then he returned and got into the sack himself and sewed himself in there. He was, of course, was thrown into the sea and therefore became a free man. Now that's not the end of the story. That's kind of the beginning of the story. But he was far from free. He was. He had so despised those who put him in the dungeon that he was a slave to his hate. Remember the book? I mean, that's all he could do. That's what he used all that gold and and stuff. And he spent the rest of his days in great wealth and tracking down one by one those who were responsible, and he was, a clever to, he was clever enough to escape bondage of the dungeon, but he remained a prisoner of chains of hate. When one is intoxicated by hatred, he is not free to choose how he responds to persons, but is compelled to be hateful and therefore is among the least free of all men. Amen. None are so bound as those who are wrapped up in chains of hate. You can see that today in Israel. Catalyst, an ancient Roman, said this, I hate and I love. And he said this, perhaps you ask, why do I do so? He said, I don't know, but I feel it and I'm in torment. He was a victim of his own depravity, and though he hated to hate, he knew no way of escape. Hatred is just a a part of of the very being of the unregenerate man. Amen? John says if a man hates, you can be sure he's still in darkness. That's the truth. If we hate people, then we're in the midst of darkness. And everyone who has their eyes open to the fact are compelled to believe that hatred and hostility are a basic problem of the world. And if we look around, and we don't have to go far to see Stuff like that. In the United States alone, there are in the average, every every hour, 15 persons who have been stabbed, clubbed, or shot. The daily news could appropriately be titled, Who's Hating Who? But the big question for us is, how then shall we live? What can be done? What can I do? Is there any escape, or will hatred eventually be, be the force that brings down the curtain on our stage in history? and then will we blow up the stage to boot. Bombs and guns and missiles, I say, are not the problem. For it is the hatred of men that makes us so dangerous. The most popular panacea for overcoming man's hatred by the world is more education. Give the people more education and we will be enlightened before the internet Remember the us old folks? Remember before the internet? There was a time before the internet, okay? Just let you know, there was a time before texting. There was a time before the cell phones. And we used to say, it is for the lack of knowledge that there are so many bad things going on in the world. Well, we have all the knowledge we need now. I mean, you just grab your little cell phone and you can Google anything and everything and you're going to be an expert in about 10 seconds. Well, we have found that that's not so. That it's not the lack of education, it's not the na- lack of knowledge, it's just us. Herbert Hoover, uh, he was the president of the United States, once said if we had just one generation of properly born, adequately educated, and healthy children developed in character, we would have utopia itself. That didn't work either, did it? We had World War, we had the Depression, and then we had World War II. Korea, Vietnam, and all and on and on and on. That view is and that's the view of the world, really, but it's unrealistic, because man in who he is is depraved in his DNA. It started out in the garden with Adam and Eve. because Adam sinned, his sin was transferred to us, and we were born corrupted. Amen? It's in our DNA. We can't help it. When Adam and Eve fell from grace, we inherited their sin. Now, I know to us that doesn't seem fair, but that is the reality of it. We inherited it. We have to live with it. If we go back to Genesis 4, 7 through 8, we see that Cain, remember Cain and Abel? Cain is jealous and angry at his brother Abel. He was also known as the golden boy. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must roll over it. Hatred and anger can be a consuming fire, so much so it becomes an entity that wants very much to control you, because when it does, only bad things happen. How many of you have been so angry at someone or something that you become something else? that your anger takes on a whole different persona. That it's not. And, and if, you took a, if you stepped away from yourself and you looked at yourself and you're looking at it and you're saying, that's not me. I don't know who that person is, but that person's not me. And that's what anger and sin can do, will take over your life and can lead you down a bad path. I mean, we have what's known as road rage now, and apparently that's becoming more and more a thing. And these normal people who get very, very angry... All of a sudden, doing really stupid things. It's because that anger becomes who they are. It lets them consume them. And only bad things can happen from that. And I know from personal experience the depravity of mankind, I think more so than most. You know, I have seen hatred. I have been hated. And in, in return, I've been, ha- and I've hated. And it staggers the mind. But, you know, I ministered in federal prisons for 22 years, both to men and to women. And I have been to war, reality, and I have seen the pure, unmitigated hatred that men, men have and women have for each other. I have so many stories and that we don't have enough time to talk about them. I have seen things that have been burned into my mind that I can never forget. And that is the truth of the world. Uh, you know, a federal prison, we, we think that we need gun-free zones. Well, a federal prison is the most gun-free zone in the world, and yet men come up with the most ingenious ways to take each other's lives. You don't need a gun, you don't need a bomb, and you don't need a rocket. It's in, our, it's in who we are. Amen? Now, I know that we who have walked in the ways of God have clearly seen that effect. We know in our hearts what the cure is. In the book of Mark, he wrote this. He said, Beloved, I'm, not, I'm, I'm writing to you no new command, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The commandment is the word that you have heard. And what is that? What did Jesus say? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Now, I'm going to flash my theological brilliance, and I'm going to tell you what that is in Hebrew. It's called the great Shema. Shema means to Hear. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. I know, that's kind of, that's, that's pretty fancy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. You can tell Jesse that, okay? Anyway. <laughs> Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. That is the truth. That is that God is one and there is no other. That is the foundational truth of Christianity and Judaism. Oh, here's an aside. A lot of people think that the Bible is a Christian book. Guess what? It's not. You know that? It's a Jewish book that all the authors in here are Jewish except for one and his name was Luke, who was a friend of Jew, a friend of Israel. It's a Jewish book written by Jewish people for for telling of God's plan. Sometimes that just rocks our world when we realize that, you know, Christians or what, you know, what, what this, what, uh, the Ju- what Judaism spawned really. But we're really Jewish. If you think about it, all we do is we're Jewish because we believe in the Bible and we believe that Jesus Christ, who was a Jew, is the Messiah. That's Jewish. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these, Mark 12, 29 through 31. Love God, love man. That is the golden key of Christian life. It is simplicity in itself. Love God, love people. And that's what Carpenter's Way is all about, amen? You've heard Jesse say that before. Love God, love people. This is where he gets it from. This is where we get it from. Love God, love people. That's all we're supposed to do. Yet if we accept this challenge, it will change our life substantially for the good. We're no longer blinded by by the darkness, but we see clearly what's going on in the world. And we are called to love God and to love people. When we lessen the depravity of our nature, we become what God wanted us to become all along. Amen? Amen? When we lessen the depravity, I mean, we all sin, we know it, we screw up, but when we follow Christ, when we make Jesus our Lord, when we are wrapped up by him, the more of him, the less of me, the more we become what God wanted us to be. That is the good of, and that's the good of us all. The light of Christ shines down on us, and the light of Christ shines within us and out of us. We are no longer blind, and we can more clearly see the road before us. Amen? i like to use this example about salvation, is that before we were Christians, we lived in a dark room, a a room that had no light whatsoever. And we bumbled about, we stumbled about, and we had no idea what we were doing. We just lived life in the dark, and we grew accustomed to the dark. Up in Idaho, there's where, actually from Washington where I'm from, but Idaho, there's there are mines, so they, they go way down. And I was able to go down into one of these mines, and the miner, when we got down there, turned off the light. I mean, it's, it's pitch black. I mean, you can't see this far in front of your face. That's where we were spiritually, amen? Every single one of us was there in that room. And then we run into somebody who says, hey, Tell you what, there is a door to your right, and all you got to do is go to that door, open the handle, and go through it, and you will see the most beautiful things that you could ever imagine. But you don't trust this guy. You don't even know who this guy is, and you don't like him. And so, you know, would you go where your enemy tells you to go? Absolutely not. I won't. I will not do that. But then you actually, you run into that door, and you're thinking, I never knew that door was there. It's the most beautiful door I think I've ever seen in the dark. And you see a sign that says, whoever so will. You think, you know what? Okay. And you open the door and you step in through the door and it says, ye are the elect chosen from the foundation of the world. And the light switch goes off and now you can see. Amen. That is salvation when the light switch of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit flips that little switch on, and all of a sudden you say, oh, my God, this is what light is. Man, this is gorgeous. This is be- this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Blaise Pascal, a, 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 a mathematician, a French mathematician in the 16th century, and actually they had a computer language written after him, named after him, for all you computer geeks. Back before DOS, they had different computer languages, and Pascal was one of them. He actually kind of invented the computer. And he wrote this. He said, when he became a Christian, when he realized who Jesus was, he wrote, tear, joy, a tear, 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 joys, tear, a joy, pure joy, because he realized who Jesus was. And I think that that's true in all of our lives. When we met the Master, when the flight switch was flicked on, and we see Jesus fully for who he is, we're just overwhelmed. Amen? And we say, Praise God. Praise God. And yet, you know, we find it kind of, kind of interesting, and we kind of scratch our head when we tell our loved ones that, hey, I walked into the room full of light, and it's gorgeous, and it's beautiful, and it's everything that you wanted it to be, and they don't listen to you. But guess what? You were just like that way once too. Anyway, uh, let's get on with it. Um, at the same time, okay, the new commandment that I'm writing you, which is true in you and in him, because the darkness is passing away and the light, true light is already. Um, we get caught up. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> you know, whoever says he's in the light hates his brother and is still in his darkness. Now, we must be very careful as Christians in how we walk our lives because people are walk, watching us. Amen? People watch, people watch you at work, at school, at play. If they know you to be a Christian, you know, watch how we walk. And I think this is where many in the American church have a problem with it. We get caught up in the stuff and swirls and eddies around us. And sometimes we use our, our, supposed, um, our supposed holiness or our religiosity is a better word, our religiosity to disguise our hatred of someone or something. And, you know, how is that? Gossip. You know, God hates gossip, right? I know we're all looking at each other. I I don't gossip. I don't. But how many of us have used prayer to get at somebody? Well, let's pray for Sister Susie because, you know, I saw her at the casino the other day, and so we all need to pray for, you know, we've done that before. Maybe not you, but I've seen it done. And so we must be clear, there are a lot of despicable people out there but we are not called to hate them at all. We're not. Why? Because we were all created in the image of God. And here's two Latin words, imago Dei, which means image of God. We are all in the image of God. Amen. We were all created by him. And therefore, if we hate somebody, guess what we're hating on? Not him, him. Quite the contrary. We are to love them. And this is really hard to do when they are being difficult, which is most of the time. Amen. I know most. I mean, I, I know we're, a lot of us are parents, and when our kids were acting out and stuff like this, you know, we uh, we had to bite the bullet. <laughs> we still love them, right? Oh, Pastor Tim Owens, a friend of mine once said, "You know why us parents are hard on our kids? So they don't embarrass us." Okay. Amen. Got an amen there? Yes, I see an amen over there. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Okay, but it's it's difficult to love people, but we're called to do it. I know it is. I'm hard to love. We're all hard to love, but we are called to do that. So then we love the sinner and hate the sin. Thus has it, it has always been. If you read the early church fathers, they'll be saying the same thing. What was going? What was true 2,000 years ago is still true today. It's still a problem, but it's still a command. Amen? From the very beginning of the church to this very second, that has never changed. And I know it's some comfort to us that we're not the first ones to experience it. No, we're not. We're just another and a very long, long line of Christians who have had to deal with the problems of the world, and they overcame it. We can overcome it. Amen? If the early saints did it, we can do it. If our grandparents did it, we can do it. We can overcome just as much as they did. Also, here's another thing. Most non-Christians are experts in Christianity. Do you know that? Have you ever noticed that that non-Christians are experts in Christianity? They know more about the Bible than we do, or they think we know. And so when they and they're looking at you and they and, and when you do something, when you step out of line, aha, gotcha. I gotcha. Oh, I got gotcha you too. Oh, I got gotcha you too. Man, doesn't it say this? Doesn't it say that? And then you're you're thinking, dude, you're taking things out of context. You don't understand. Yeah, I get some shaking heads that, yeah, that you get people who they're, they're not Christians at all, but they know more about Christianity, or they think they do, and they love to pounce. So it's not only personal to us, but it's also the image of the church. Remember, as we, we are the church of Christ, we are God's children. We are the dearly beloved, and the world watches us. And so it's not just us that they're looking at. They're looking at the whole church. Amen? Not just us. They're looking at Carpenter's Way. They're looking at what Carpenter's Way does in this community. And by the way, we are doing it. We are doing a good job. So, you know, amen. Because there are many churches out there that ain't doing anything. And they might as well close their door and shut it down for good because they're not doing anything. And he says this, and John says this, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Amen? And that's what we do. We love one another, and we see. And maybe y'all have found this to be true, but when we love sinners, it dispels a lot of misconceptions, and it actually furthers the gospel. How many people have been won to the Lord by just personal close interaction? One on one. Amen? Amen? I mean, I can stand up here and preach the most perfect sermon, and yet people, they'll, they'll blow me off. Well, you're expected to do that, but what they see is relationships. They see people loving on one another. That's my story, how I became a Christian. My best friend, Mark Dobratz, uh, he was the, he's one of the most stubborn people I've ever met in my life. Uh, yeah, Mark really was. And you know, he, And I thought, being an atheist or agnostic, that I could nail him to the wall with science and facts and he would not budge and i gave i had to respect that after a while and it was because of his ministry in my life you know he never he never preached hard at me he never you know he never hit me on the head with the bible he was just that constant witness and it's because of him because of his love for me that i became a christian because i saw what he had and i wanted that how many of us can say that's how i became a christian too it's because i watched this, some, some knucklehead, not, not giving ground, but just loving me, loving me, and not giving up on me. Man, that was something. You know, I, there are people in this community that have never heard of Christ. I mean, they know Jesus as a cuss word. When I was in Afghanistan, I, we had to take care of this one NCO. She'd only been to church once in her life when she was a little girl, and she didn't have a favorable opinion of Christians. But I, and the reason why she had was because she was around other pagans, and they didn't know what Christianity was really like. They thought it was a bunch of superstitions and hocus pocus. But I got to, I got her to admit admit that she really didn't know anything about Christianity, and she truly did not know. She had never heard. She didn't know who Jesus. She didn't know that Jesus Christ was a real living human being. You know, there are people right out this door. They don't know who Jesus is, amen? And that's the mission of this church is to let people know that Jesus is really good. I like the sign out there. He really is good, amen? It hit me. There are people that are going to hell right now because they don't know. They just have never heard. They had not a clue. People will think well of you uh, because you're a really nice person, but they don't know why you are what you are, amen? So, yes, Uh, You need to tell people, yeah, the reason why I am what I am is because of what Jesus Christ did in my life. We don't have to be afraid of that. And I think it's very important to dispel the myth and to tell them why you are and why you are walking in the light. That is love. Now, John goes on and he says, but whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded their eye or blinded his eyes. And we see this every day. We see this on college campuses. We see politicians, especially. We see this in our government. We see this all over the place. So many, they profess themselves to be wise, they became fools. And sometimes when we watch the news and we're looking and, you know, and we kind of go due to the face palm, it's like, how can you guys not get this? I mean, this is so elemental. This is so easy to understand, yet they don't get it. Now, I'm not going to go into the politics and stuff like that, but I can say there's an awful lot of people out there that are so blinded by hate that they actually think that they're doing good. Go to some liberal college campuses, they're, what they're saying is, yeah, we're, we're fighting for the good, and yet they hate people. They hate everybody. So then what's my point, point? and what are we supposed to do with it? I'll try to answer that. (laughs) Sometimes I don't know if I have an answer, and I know my wife's nodding there. But first, we should have a congruence between what we say and what we do. Amen? What we say and what we do should be matched up together. Because when we say one thing and we're doing another, that's what we call a hypocrite. And how many of us hate hypocrites? We all hate that. But I'm reminded by, I had a conversation with one of my master sergeants one time, and he said, you know, Chaplain, what I don't like about Christians is that you're all a bunch of hypocrites. I said, well, Sergeant, Master Sergeant Robinette, you are absolutely right. But welcome to the human nature, or welcome to the club human. We all are. We're all inconsistent. Blaise Pascal said, human nature is this, boredom and inconsistency. Um, so we need, to watch, we need to work on what we say and what we do. That's very important. Remember, we, we, ask, we need to ask God to show us where we need to work and where. And we never need, and we always need to know that people are, do, are watching us and not just Uncle Sam. Jordan Peterson, he's an annoying Canadian uh, psychologist, and some of us know who he is. He's probably, I mean, he's really a brilliant guy. And someone asked him. He said, "Jordan, Doctor Peterson, what is religion?" And he said basically this: that religion to him was more what you do than what you say. What you do. Saint Francis of Assisi once said, preach the gospel at all times, and if you and if necessary, use words. So he's saying what we do, because what we do really is an indication of what we are, amen? For where a man's heart is, there his treasure will be. So what we do is important. But I also think that or what we say is all equally important, and I'll say it's both. Secondly, so again, religion is what we're doing, and we're doing it here. We're loving people. We're honest. Secondly, you may not realize what you're doing, but sometimes we just do before we think. So it's important to keep each thought in captive. That is to think before you speak, which I have a very hard problem with that. It's hard for us extroverts. Because if I can't talk to somebody, I will talk to a wall. My wife and my kids know that I will talk to a wall at times. And I'll talk to anyone, But I, and, and I have to keep my thoughts in, in captivity. Lastly, the last thing we also need to know is we're called to do this. We're called as God's people to love one another today. I know this might be a short message, which means it gives us time to get to lubies. I think, or not, Luby's, or or, or or is it uh, Dickie's barbecue today? Yeah, don't go to Dickie's today because that's where we're going to go anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay, let us stand. The Christian life is a beautiful one. It's a great one. It's the best one ever because it was designed by God for us. For, and it remains for us to walk in it, to be to be mindful of who we are, and who's watching us, and what we need to be doing. Let us be known for who, what we do in love, but uh, let us not be known. Let us not be known for what we for hatred. Let us not be known for hypocrisy, but let us be known for who we are in Christ. Let us pray, God our Father, Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day this perfect and wonderful day that you have given us. Each breath that we take is your gift to us, Father God. Lord, we pray that through this week that you'd open our eyes to the divine opportunities that you have around for us. Give us the courage to rise up and to love one another. Father God, we ask your blessings be upon us. And Lord, we ask you our bless your blessings be upon Jesse today. And we pray, Lord, that you would be healing him and that he'd be pray that he'd be feeling better. We pray, Lord, that you would bless him in his time off today, Father God. Lord, be with him in his family. Father God, go with us this week. Go before us, behind us, above us, below us, and beside us, and always walk with us always. Lord, we thank you and praise you. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray these things. Amen.